0: You know, I'll say this, Jordan. Last night, did you watch the game last night, Jordan? I know you haven't had time to watch much basketball, but did you did you get to watch the game last night?
1: Uh, I, I tuned in. I think with like just a little over ten minutes in the first half, and it was just bad basketball. Like Texas was up, but I'm like, this is this isn't fun to watch. And Dude, that
0: the first, I, saw,
1: I turned it off, and the next thing I saw was RT bitching some UCF players out for. <laughs> <laughs> doing the horns down and
0: the first, obviously
1: that's a hot topic
0: today the first let me see if i can find it probably the first four minutes of this game hell let's even say the first 12 first 12 minutes of this game but texas got up 22 to eight and they led by th- they led by 16 during that stretch it was 22 to six they led by they led by 16. Dude, that was as good as I've seen this team play all year. Like Tyrese Hunter was putting the ball on the deck and getting to the cup. Dylan Mitchell was a factor of both ends. Like he had a sequence where he blocks a shot and then the next trip down the floor, that ended up being a turn. uh, That being um, Texas gets the ball back, Hunter goes down and gets a layup. But then on the next, when UCF started playing some zone, they throw it to him in the high post. Once he hits a jumper, the next time he dumps it down to Shedrick and he goes to the line. Like they. I.T. Horton's knocking down shots like that was the best that that I've seen them play all year. And then it's like once that first media timeout hit, I don't know. I don't know what the hell happened after that, because it was a totally different team from that point. Even like UCF got back in the game, but they still led by 12 at halftime. They were still up by 15 at one point in the second half. And. Or I'm sorry, they were up by as many as – yeah, they were up by – at one point they were up by 15 in the second half with 14.30 to go. And then the damn bottom just fell out. So.
1: Yeah, for, for me it was – I think they were up like 20-something to like – or 22 to six. And I think UCF went on a run and cut it to like eight or seven or something like that. And yeah. I think RT called a timeout. After that happened, I stopped watching. Not – I'm a very casual basketball watcher, but it was like – this feels like all their other games where they're either barely gonna win or they're gonna shit their pants in the second half. Like I'm
0: <laughs> like I, I would rather
1: invest my time somewhere else tonight, honestly. And I have yeah. stuff to work on. So that's what I went and did.
0: Yeah. CB, I'll say this is C B says Texas is a laughing stock right now because RT is gonna file I you know the horns down thing, all I'll say about this is that what whatever's gonna happen from that, whatever the fallout's gonna be is whatever the fallout's gonna be. And I honestly like. And I, I love Rodney Terry to death, but I would have the post game press conference would have been more palatable if RT had said what he said and then followed it immediately with, but I realize it was the heat of the moment. We just lost. I understand what we're going through right now as a team. I was upset. You know, I want to apologize to Coach Dawkins. If somebody, if another coach had done that to my players, I would have had the right to be upset. So I should have just taken it up with Coach. So uh yes, it was a respect thing, but in the heat of the moment, I apologize for the way I, I reacted. So dude, I I some like it's amazing. I pretty much just use Twitter. I refuse to call it X. Uh I just pretty much use Twitter for work. I don't I can't I can't go down rabbit holes on Twitter because you can make yourself insane doing it. So uh, the less time you spend on social media, the better. So that, that part of it doesn't bother me. Dude, Texas is going to get horns down whenever, like when Mac yeah. did it, it was cringy. When Tom Herman did it, it was cringy. And now that, you know, RT, RT stepped in it, it's cringy. My bigger concern, Jordan, is the basketball program at large, because let, let's, do you mind if we put football and portal stuff on the back burner real quick? Cause we'll, we'll get to it. Don't, don't worry about that. I just want to get the basketball discussion out of the way. Um, the first part of it is, okay, Rodney Terry's a failed hire. You no, know, this, this isn't going to work. CDC, they should have had a real coaching search. You think Chris Del Conte went through that whole process without going through back channels and having an actual coaching search? You think that John Keller Perry stuff just came out of thin air? Somebody just invented it? You think Texas back-channeling Jay Wright was just something that somebody just threw on the wall, seeing if it would stick? I know I know. Chris Del Conte likes Eric Musselman. I know there are certain coaches that he likes. I know there are certain coaches. That's why you have agents and people like that to go through people. So did Chris Del Conte ever talk face-to-face with John Calipari? I highly doubt it. Did somebody at Texas on CDC's behalf contact somebody in John Calipari's camp on his behalf? You can damn sure guarantee that happened. So, yes, there was a search in terms of viable candidates. Jay Wright's not coming out of retirement. He seems pretty steadfast in the fact that he's not coming out of retirement. Now, I highly doubt Jay Wright would take the Texas job anyway. Eric Musselman has everything he needs to win at Arkansas. So why would he leave Arkansas to come to Texas, especially now that, te- that Texas is going to be in the same league? So that pretty much leaves you with, uh, you know, you could have gone and hired Rick Patino, but considering you just fired Chris Beard, That would be taking whatever goodwill you would have built up post Chris Beard and just setting it on fire. So that wasn't going to happen. That leaves you with a pretty limited pool of candidates. And if you were going to hire a Paul Mills, a Grant McCaslin, one of the young up and coming, you know, mid major coaches at that point, it's like, okay, if you're taking a chance on a mid major guy, why not just keep RT anyway? And, and, I know you can't go too deep into hypotheticals, but if this, if if AJ Johnson and Ron Holland, as RT planned on, are on this roster, this is a completely different basketball team, Jordan, because that fixes two of the huge issues you have right now. You need a ball handling guard who can either run the second unit or allow Tyrese Hunter to run the second unit, and you need a an active forward. One, to give you depth, and two, to give you some athleticism up front. Like Ron Holland would have been the hellacious rebounder that this team needs. He would have helped Desu and Shedrick be a rim protector. His range, he can step out a little further than Dylan Mitchell can. Those two, I think, could have – and actually, that's the truth. When they were talking, when they – before Ron Holland went to to the G League, before he got out of his letter of intent went to the G League, The Texas staff was, convinced, like, they had had conversations with Ron Holland's people, with Dylan Mitchell's people, like, look, everybody's saying these guys can't play together. Yes, they can. We can make it work, and they had a plan on how they were going to make it work. We'll just never know what that plan was and how they were going to execute it. So a lot of stuff has gone wrong. A lot of stuff has gone wrong to this staff's doing. I mean, I didn't want to pour salt in the wound last night, but, man, they kicked the tires on Jalen Sellers and took a good long look at Jalen Sellers in the portal last year. They decided to pass and they ultimately got it Horton. Okay, which guy would you rather have right now? I think I'd probably rather have Jalen Sellers on my team. Um, as I said at the start of the show, the way this thing has fit together, you've got Tyrese Hunter, who the shot hasn't been there, and his confidence at times offensively looks like it's completely shot. Max Asemus is a bucket getter, probably your only real bucket getter at this point, but he's a defensive liability. Like Jordan, I, I watched him play zone, try to play zone defense last night. I don't know if if it's a lack of athleticism, a lack of instincts, just the lack of defensive basketball IQ. But it's like every time Texas is in a zone and somebody gets an open three pointer against Texas, the last thing you see is Max Aesmith trying to get back to his spot and run to close out a shot. Yeah. He, Max Aesmith is as good as he is on offense as a defensive liability. Same thing for Ithiel <laughs> Horton. He can't play if he's not going to guard anybody. And Dylan Mitchell's pretty limited in what he can do. He's gotten better from last year, but the skills, the, his ability on the floor. You know who Dylan Mitchell reminds me of? You remember like a guy like Darius Miles back in the day? Okay, it's just I'm showing my age. Dylan Mitchell's like one of those, and I, I like Dylan Mitchell's a good dude. I like Dylan Mitchell, but. Dylan Mitchell's one of those dudes, like, in the early 2000s, there was this group of, like, it was, like, Darius Miles and, and Strohmile Miles Swift. Tyrus Thomas was one of these guys. They're, like, the six eight plus long guys that, like, kind of the combo forward guys that can jump out of the gym, uber athletic, and you see the highlights, and you're, like, oh, my God, like, this dude is the truth. And then you get him on the floor, and it's, like, all right, what do you do that really sets you apart other than being a run-and-jump athlete? And that's what Dylan Mitchell's trying to develop right now. That's what guys like Deregas Miles and stromile Miles Swift and Tyrus Thomas never developed that at the NBA level. That's what Dylan's trying to do now. Uh, and then Dylan DeSue and Kaden Shedrick, one, one's been healthy, the other one hadn't. They can't, they're both not healthy at the same time your front court depth, you're down to Brock Cunningham and Zarek and Yema, which I think Zarek and Yema's probably p- played more minutes than I think anybody maybe thought he would play. So the roster hadn't fit the way I think they thought it would. And somebody asked why their record was so good going into the conference play. You know, wh- what happened? Dude, when you play a non-conference schedule that Kim Pomeroy ranks in the three hundreds in terms of strength, of non-conference schedule, you're going to run up some W's. So,
1: and the it's Big just, Twelve is the best conference in college basketball.
0: It's, I mean, I don't know. I haven't looked at a at a bracket at, at a bracket projection, and I probably uh, my viewing of bracketological prognostications is probably going to be pretty limited from here because I got a feeling i ain't going to see Texas on very many of them. Uh, but I don't know, man. Are there going to be eight, nine, ten Big Twelve teams that make the tournament? Texas probably going to be one of them at this point because this is a stretch where you really needed to go on the road and beat West Virginia. You really needed to defend home your home court and take care of UCF. Now you got Baylor coming into town. You got U of H coming up. TCU is in this stretch. Hey, Jordan, we we went through this one of our last shows, right? Like the upcoming schedule, just how how dicey it gets for Texas from here. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. You're going to play Baylor. You got Baylor coming in for an 11 a.m. game. Uh, on Saturday, then you're at Oklahoma, <laughs> Baylor at home, at Oklahoma, at BYU, Houston at home, at TCU. You could, and by the way, Ken Palm's got Texas projected to lose the next six. So, dude, it's the game. You, the
1: game versus Tech and Lubbock, probably another L as well.
0: Uh, yeah, you, you play Iowa State at home. That's going to be no gimme. You'd like to think they beat West Virginia in the rematch. Uh, You got K-State at home. <sighs> don't feel real good about this team going to Allen Fieldhouse at the end of February. Uh, You're going to host Oklahoma State. It's really weird. Texas only plays Oklahoma State once, but this is the uh, conference schedule. And then you finish it at Baylor and Oklahoma coming into Moody Center.
1: They don't. They don't got to go to Lubbock. This year, only, no, they only do that.
0: Okay. Actually, how about how about back to back road trips? Uh, you're going to be in Lawrence at Allen Fieldhouse on a Saturday, and then have a Monday turnaround in Lubbock. Hmm.
1: I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure the people at Lawrence and Lubbock will love to uh, see the Longhorns last time.
0: And honestly, like this is just how I feel. I don't blame Rodney Terry. I don't blame CDC my blame for the state of the basketball program. I blame Chris Beard because I see, I see what's happening at Ole Miss and knowing what could be going on at Texas, whether you like Chris Beard or not. And I know there are plenty of, I've talked to plenty of really smart basketball people. Some people dig Chris Beard. Some people can't stand his style of play, but at the end of the day man regardless of how he does it and he doesn't make a ton of friends along the way he pisses some people off but dude chris beard wins basketball games and he had set it up to where do that team i don't want to say that team was going to win regardless of who the head coach was last year but you know rodney terry earned the right to to get a shot to run this ship dude when you get to the you finish second in the league you win the conference tournament you get to the Elite Eight and you're probably a Dylan Dessue injury away from being in the final four. And at that point, maybe playing UConn for a national championship. Like you earn the right to to be able to, to do this by yourself. So yeah, and go ahead, Jordan.
1: With with all the basketball talking, I mean, like it's it's a little hanging fruit right now to obviously uh a rag on RT, but like I, I just want to ask all these Texas fans that want him fired. Are they gonna get an interim for the once interim coach to coach the rest? Or they they can't go hire a coach? So like, what do what do y'all want to happen? Like, you know, I don't I don't want to be that guy. It's like stop being so negative. But again, it's not like they're gonna replace him and make someone one of his assistants in the interim for the rest of the year. They're not even twenty games in yet. They're not gonna go replace him mid season either. So it's like, man, support the kids, support the guys, and. Again, I know it's rough, but te- Texas basketball has been in, in more worse parts than it is right now. Um, it also, back to what you said, if, there, if there's someone we want to blame, blame Chris Beard for we, putting
0: himself you know, in the position he put himself in.
1: Yeah, I couldn't. I remember he he bit her. I forgot what all the exact of details the were. Court, yeah,
0: when all this other stuff, but you know. I don't want to. I don't want to go. I don't want to go open up Pandora's box yeah. on that deal. But the situation Chris Beard found himself in was avoidable, yeah. and for him to not have, I don't even. I don't even
1: want to get deeper yeah. into it. So you, you were talking about Ole Miss. Are they? I'm assuming he's got them. Cooking. I mean, they're
0: now. Well, I mean, it's typical. I mean, they played pretty much a cupcake non conference schedule, which is another reason why some people don't like Chris Beard because he runs up wins in a non conference. Uh but you know they're they're kind of up against it. I mean, they had a really bad loss in Knoxville to Tennessee. I think like a 20-30 point loss to Tennessee. Tennessee's a top, you know, Tennessee's a, a second weekend, you know, Elite Eight caliber team. Uh Rick Barnes is a really good team. But yeah, I mean they're running up against in the SEC. But dude, that's that's a place that hadn't when was the last time you heard anything about Old Mid, other than like you know, watching an, an SEC game, knowing that like Marshall Henderson could go off for like 40 on a given night like, just some kind of random one-off like that. Like, when's the last time you thought about Ole Miss basketball?
1: You haven't. That's and probably yeah. the only Power 5 school that hire him. But, man, being an Ole Miss fan, like, the shit you probably take from your buddies about having Lane Kiffin and Chris, Chris Beard as Be- your head coach, <laughs> like, I've never even thought about that until now. But, like, God damn, that's it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. you
1: got some characters.
0: Yeah. Um. I'll just just say this. Um, I've been told in no uncertain terms, there is a sitting head coach in the SEC that if he and Chris Beard ever got isolated in a room one-on-one, that coach would do everything in his power to make sure Chris Beard did not walk out of that room without being in a very, very bad way. Can you
1: tell me when we get off? I, I could I could name here. like maybe two coaches in the I'll SEC. Tell you when we get off
0: here, yeah. It's
1: yeah. three: Musselman, yeah. Barnes, and uh, Chris Beard. Bang! <laughs> I don't even know the Alabama guy's name or the other guy's name.
0: Yeah, you Did know you're not familiar with Nate Oates. I was, oh I was yeah, thinking, no, I
1: know Nate Oates. Yeah, not I think you're you just, say, head, That's think you would just
0: say Avery Johnson. I'm like Jordan. Avery Johnson's actually a colleague of ours in the CBS Sports family. So no, he's no longer the head coach at Alabama. Oh, uh, Jose no. Jose brings up. Sorry, were you going to say something, Jordan? I
1: was just reading uh, Ronald's comment about CDC and Beard being out there. Yeah, there was, I, I don't know. It's, it's always interesting. Like the, obviously what Chris Beard did was wrong, right? He's wrong. And that's why he's no longer the coach at the university of Texas. After that happened, all the Texas fans are like, they should have done background checks and all this. Like, Man, you do what you can. You're not going to know everything. It's the same thing in recruiting. You're not going to know everything about the kid until he actually gets there. It's the same thing with hiring a coach. And that at the same time with Chris Beard opened up the door for all the tech fans to be like, oh yeah, when he was here in Lubbock, he did all this stuff too. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, so you know,
0: there were and there was stuff, there was stuff Chris Beard did before that incident that just, you know, the I didn't like the way they handled the arterial Morris thing to be yeah. honest, and people can take this, what I'm about to say, however they want. If Arterio Morris wasn't really good friends with Ron Holland, he probably would have been suspended or maybe more. That's just my opinion. Um, And Chris Beard had the final say. I mean, could RT have suspended uh Arterio Morris? Yeah, he could have. But, dude, at that point, when RT was the acting head coach, dude, at that point, you're just, you're just trying to get from one day to the next at that point. And I'll say this about Scott brings us up, uh, RT's coaching resume, dude, go look at what Fresno state and what UTEP were before Rodney Terry got there and where he left it. He left both those jobs better than when he found them. Uh, you know, when RT got the Fresno job, let me pull this up real quick. I should have been prepared, but I'm not. So I apologize. Rodney Terry gets the Fresno job. Fresno is coming off seasons of 15 and 13, 22 and 10, 13 and 19, 13 and 21. So they had a one, two, three, four, four losing seasons in a row before RT got there. Uh, By the end of his run, he had gotten them back to the NCAA tournament. 25 wins, 20 wins, 21 wins. Uh, He goes to UTEP, and UTEP UTEP actually had had some success. Uh, before RT got there under Tony Barbie. But then you had, you know, Tim Floyd, the Tim Floyd era at UTEP. So UTEP is, again, before history is written, Bobby Orr, behind the, the it's played. Tonelli, the nice before it's frozen in time, in. it's fought one shift at a time. Score! Before it's etched in silver. It's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And Tim Floyd goes 19 and 14 in the 15 16 season. Then they're 15 and 17, 11 and 20. Floyd's gone after the first six games. RT's 8 and 21 his first year at UTEP. Then he's 17 and 15. And then he's 12 and 12 in the COVID year or 17 or 15 in the COVID year, the 1920 season. Then in that year, impacted by COVID, he's 12 and 12. Uh, He's eight and eight in the league. And then he goes and joins Chris Beard's staff. So he was only, he only got really one full season at UTEP. That was his first year where you were in complete rebuild mode. So just like not to compare the two, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but I'd say the same thing about somebody. And I look, I'm, I've been guilty of this too, right? Throwing out some of his numbers. But like when you throw out Steve Sarkeesian's record as a head coach and be like, oh, look at his record at Washington. Look at how many, look at the losing seasons he had. You gotta remember UW was 0 and 12 the year before Sark got there. That program, Jordan, that we just watched play in the national championship the year before Steve Sarkeesian got there under Tyrone Willingham, they did not win a single game. Zero and 12. Even that awful Matt Rule Baylor team rules first year managed to beat Kansas. They managed to win a game. David Beatty managed to not have any winless seasons at Kansas. I think he did. I don't know. I could be wrong about that. But, uh, yeah, they went 0-12. So, again, before you start trashing a coach's record or even before you start looking at, oh, man, this guy has a great record, go look at what that job was before the guy got there. Like – We started doing this with, you know, when Tom Herman got the Houston job. Herman's record at Houston was great. And yeah, it was. And Tom did a great job at Houston. I apologize. David Beatty was 0-12 in Kansas in 2015. Uh, But we did this with Tom Herman's record. Did Tom Herman have a great record at Houston? Yeah. But it turns out, dude, he inherited some really good players from Tony Levine. Tony Levine didn't leave the cupboard completely bare. So... Uh, that's that's all I want to say on the, the record stuff. So you can make the numbers – you can manipulate the numbers to make them look however you want. And, Matthew, I know you didn't think you'd hear a Marshall Henderson reference today. That's the kind of stuff I'm here for. I'm here to, to bring back old-school references. But I do want to get this, Jordan, because this will actually lead us into portal talk. It's actually kind of wrap up our conversation that we had yesterday for football. Jose says, maybe this is an apples to oranges – But the struggles that this heavy transfer UT basketball team has me thinking of struggles for a transfer heavy football team for UT next season in key spots. I think here's the difference. This is just the culture in basketball. It's a year to year proposition in college basketball. Um, You know, Texas had that, that team last year from the year prior, Chris Beard's first year. That was a transfer heavy team but that was a team that had a ton of experience. It's really hard in the portal era to put a team together. That's got that much experience. I mean, you know, you've got guys that played a hundred plus 150 plus 200 plus games. I mean, Jabari Rice and Timmy Allen, those guys were all conference players, Marcus Carr, Christian Bishop. They were all conference players. They were multiple year starters at schools that made runs in the NCAA tournament. So you know, Tyrese Hunter was a Big 12 freshman of the year his one year his his freshman year at Iowa State so you you they had had it they had, had experience they had, had some skins on the wall so it's not it's not only is it not an apples to apples comparison it is an apples to oranges comparison i'll say this jordan at, for basketball football you just because of the nature of football you'd see it less often basketball is one of those sports where just as quickly as you lose it, you can get it back. All it's going to take is one good recruiting class with the right mix of portal guys. And boom, North Carolina, I think, is a perfect example of that. Like, North Carolina wasn't a very good team last year under Hubert Davis. Now they're in the top five in the country. So, yeah, it is an apples to oranges comparison in terms of football and basketball. But if if RT can get – this is ultimately, I think, it's going to swing it one way or the other for RT. This recruiting class with Trey Johnson and Nick Cody, And Cam Scott, if he can get these guys to campus, I don't know who you're going to bring back from this roster. And we we know Brock Cunningham's gone and Dylan DeSue's gone, but we'll see who else comes back. Uh, And then you can fill in the right portal guys around them. Yeah, you could be right back in You can be in the mix. You can compete in the SEC in year one. You'd have the tools to do it. But if Trey Johnson decides to go to the G League or, you know, some other other stuff happens, okay, now you're really up against it. Now you're wondering – You start thinking as the clock ticking. So that's if the, if this year keeps trending the way it's going, that's the kind of stuff you start thinking about. So Jordan, I've talked enough. Go ahead and pick it up though. From the portal standpoint, we've talked about it though. Like I think Sark's culture is good enough that they've got a really good idea of the kind of portal guys they're bringing in. And if there is one bad apple, the fact is, like, let's say one of these wide receivers just doesn't cut it. Well, you brought in so many that if that one bad apple is not going to spoil the bunch,
1: yeah. And I don't know, it's then I mean, we've talked about this a lot. The way they can pick guys out of the portal now is so much different than it was two years ago. Because yeah. one, players actually want to come play at Texas now, They want. they want to, they can't say yes to everyone. Um, you know, I was probably I'm, I was probably planning on putting out a behind the scenes and like when the portal shit really closes because even though the windows closed, like it's still <laughs> popping. Um, but like Juice Wells, he wanted to go to Texas. Did they want to pay what he wanted? Hell no. That's why he's not at Texas. Will Shepard at Colorado from Vanderbilt, did he want to go to Texas? Yes. Did anything ever happen there? No, because Texas evaluated him and didn't like him, even though he's had over 2,000 career receiving yards in the SEC.
0: Yeah. They can be
1: as selective as they want because everybody wants to go there. And two, also, they had to take Billingsley and all these other guys two years ago because they needed to fill those spots. Right now, it's – we're taking all these guys because they're better than what we have right now, but we're going to have to push some guys out because we're over the scholarship limit. Yeah. And
0: the,
1: the, the guys you're bringing in, I mean, it's not the best ranked portal class. Cause I mean, the rankings are all kind of weird with how many guys each team has taken. But I mean, in terms of average, it's, it's the best one or second best one by a tiny bit. Kendrick yeah. Blackshire brings the average down a, a fair amount. Cause everyone's like top 50, except for him pretty much um but i mean it's a damn good class man and all of these guys like you know they're everything i the bad off the field things that i hear about players obviously don't bring it up every time but i'm being completely honest looking through the portal guys they have i haven't heard a single bad thing about any of them and i can't say that for the high school recruiting class (laughs) or the old portal classes or anything like that but it's a good group of guys and all of them can immediately impact and provide depth and a starting presence or compete for starting presence. And they, they've just done a damn good job. And they're not done yet either. Um,
0: Look, man, my, uh, my, the guy who was my high school quarterback in Florence, Texas, America was a Jai Hall's last high school coach. Interesting. How at Bloomingdale, at Bloomingdale in Florida, I don't know, small world. I don't know how, I don't know how it happens, but. There's even some stuff he didn't want to tell me. Yeah. Just say a Jai Hall had some baggage, man. That's, that's an understatement. Dude. There was some, there was some stuff there in, in, oh, in his yeah. background. So, yeah. yeah. But
1: as, as I was told, as Nick Saban would say, there are only so many Jai Halls that come around every few years. That's why,
0: man. That's so why he
1: got, he didn't have three strikes at Alabama. He had about five or six. Um and again, it's because Nick Saban can go get a or could now that he's retired. Nick Saban every year can go get a a, a Tommy Brockermeyer or James Brockermeyer or Jalen Hale or a Jordan Renard, Jamarian Miller. Yeah. The guys that are like a Jai Hall where they haven't really trained a day in their life or worked out a day in their life, they're kind of just going out there and like are the best player off instincts. Guys like that don't come around too often. You give them extra opportunities to get their shit together. So with the Jai Hall, as talented as he was, naturally, you can guess he had about over a dozen, maybe two dozen opportunities yeah. to get his shit together, and he didn't. Yeah, um,
0: it's, uh, it's, it's sad, dude. It's, I don't know where
1: he's at right now. I'm trying to figure that out through Google, but I have
0: no idea where he is. And you know, I talked to somebody at Texas who i didn't think we were gonna to talk to jai hall on this show so there, there we go it just shows you where we can go but i talked to somebody at texas who pretty much told me the same thing uh that my guy did he was like you know we know a jai's different right we know we know that you have to handle him a certain way but he also needs to understand that doesn't mean you get to do whatever you want to do and that was the part that never really, for him, as talented as he was, it never really clicked. That at some point you just got to be like, dude, like, if you, I, I can't help you. Can't I can't help you if you don't want to help yourself, kind of thing, you know. But yeah. trust me, Sart-, Sart gave him plenty of chances. Yeah, to do and,
1: right. and Wow. I know we probably got to wrap up the Ajay Hall talk soon, <laughs> but if y'all want to know truly how <laughs> crazy a Jai Hall is. The the famous parking video he got that off by himself. <laughs> the parking brake or the parking boot. The boot. He, I didn't
0: and, even I didn't even know he you got could that do off that. his car with his own two hands. <laughs> I didn't even know you could y'all do know that what he, without tearing something yeah. up.
1: Yeah, y'all know what he looks like. He's skin and bones, like people. You know how some people you meet are skin and bones, but they're like the strongest people you meet because it's just like. That's a Jai Hall.
0: That's what you call. That's what. That's what we call back in uh, Northwest Williamson County, Jordan. That's what we call country strong.
1: Yeah. Con- yeah. 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 But yeah, Jai Hall's got that. So uh, whatever Juco or Community College had I hope he's turning it around. But you know, if not, um, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But you wanna you wanna do some? Uh, well, actually, before we close I guess On the I'm just thinking about country week.
0: strong and be like dude the dude the dudes in the small towns that you don't want to mess with like the dude don't mess with that guy it yeah. ain't like you know the big dude that's working out all the time it's like the dude who's about a buck fifty that like yeah he's got that, that look
1: in his eye he got a,
0: keeps a dip can in his back pocket yeah. that, like, like you fight really this know.
1: guy you need to be close to something you can hit him in the head with
0: yeah doesn't really talk to anybody <laughs> like, I don't know what he does I don't yeah. know who he's friends with but I ain't going anywhere near that guy
1: yeah, no, those people you always got to have someone you can hit them in the head with multiple times because they they never go down
0: easy. You're gonna, um, you're gonna get you're gonna get hit about three or four times before you realize you're in a fight.
1: Yeah, for real. Uh, but with the with the portal, uh, Martin I Black is a, a name that I think some Texas fans should be on the lookout for. Um, haven't confirmed actual like finalized legitimate dates or whatnot, but uh, ultimately we're expecting uh, him to be on the 40 acres in Austin sometime next, I don't know, 72 ish hours. Um, he did say on Instagram live, according to people on Twitter, (laughs) I didn't see it myself. I want to make that very clear. He did say on Instagram live, uh, last night that he's looking to commit, um, in two to three days. So the only school that's been rumored to potentially get a visit is Texas. So, you know, as you could put two and two together, ultimately it seems where things are trending and, um, obviously I'm going to do some research besides what people are saying on Twitter and, uh, my source of think it's also, you know, trending well for Texas as well. Uh, obviously far from a done deal. Um, what players say on Instagram live is usually, uh, not <laughs> what ends up happening. For example, Xavier feels to me saying he was locked into Florida and wasn't going anywhere when 30 minutes before he went on Instagram live. Uh, one of his parents called the Texas staff and told him they are coming. Um, so maybe he doesn't pop in the next two days. Maybe he drags it out. Some other schools get involved, but uh, as things stand right now, I ultimately think Texas is the best position to land uh, Amari Nyblack, the transfer tight end, kind of flex Y uh, from Alabama. Um, also, they're in it. I'm not even going to try to say it, the Stanford kid's last name. Um, the thing, the important things to note are that Nyblack uh, could be a, on campus. You know, let's say. He visits, commits this weekend, they sign, whatever. He could be enrolled next week. Um, Stanford guy, on the other hand, wouldn't be able to come in until uh, the end of the semester just because of the way his classes are and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. But, I mean, to be honest with you, I think Nye Black fits Texas better. I think out of all the realistic options that have come through the portal, he is who resembles uh, Jatavion Sanders the best kind of from a play style perspective. Um, And also, like, Even though JT, um, you know, had his blocking struggles at times, you know, he was kind of a true tight end, even though he really was used as a receiver. Uh, Amari Nye Black isn't, he's really uh, a receiver that plays tight end. That's kind of his play style, how he moves, how he is. Um, You know, I'm sure you could throw him on the line, do some inline blocking as well, but Ultimately, I think if he does come to Texas and there's two tight ends on the field, he's going to be the one split out wide with Gunnar Helm kind of keeping sure. the same role, maybe Malik Agpo. Um, But I like Amari Black a lot. I like his game a lot. I think he fits Texas very well. Um, and again, like I said, out of all the realistic tight end possibilities that have entered the portal or thought about entering, I think this is what fits Texas and what they want. It fits them best.
0: You're, you're a sick is how you pronounce Benjamin. You're a six last okay. night. I had to go. I had to go grab a Stanford pronunciation guide. Just a double, triple, quadruple check to make sure I'm saying it right. Yes. it's Benjamin, you're a sick. Dope. And sick. No, um, uh, No, real quick, Jordan, before you get on that, Jack, no, this is not a Bucky's cup. This is a, actually it's a Texas basketball cup. It's from the farewell to the Irwin Center season, so. I'll always have a little piece of the Irwin Center on my desk. Yeah. yeah. I, I asked CDC if I could have one of the pretzels. Because, dude, I, I like a good soft pretzel. Like, I like, you know, when we have worst fest time, like you get the big Bavarian pretzel, like a dig it. Uh, it's something about the ones at the Irwin Center were just better than any other arena or stadium that I've ever been in. So I asked CDC one time, I was like, hey, what y'all going to do with those pretzel makers in here? He's kind of looked at me like, probably going to get new ones. I'm like, Maybe around here steal me one of them old ones and uh, make me some. I have Irwin Center pretzels in perpetuity, but sadly yeah. I don't have a pretzel maker from the Irwin Center.
1: So. Not Jeff's behind the counter at the Frank Irwin Center concession stand. Like, <laughs> what's it gonna take,
0: man? I might. <laughs> They're I might, like, "Who like, are
1: you, sir?" Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna. I wanna run up in there and see if there's any memorabilia left. But I heard like apparently, I don't know. There's like all kinds of construction issues going on, and I don't want to like be walking on the floor and fall through it and. I like the Irwin Center, but I don't want my last, you yeah, know, memory on Earth
1: to be eat. in there
0: in drum, yeah. So, so. Yeah. oh, Matt, did they auction the pretzel makers off? Damn it, I missed that auction. Well, if you, hey, if anybody out there has an Irwin Center pretzel maker <laughs> handy, just hit me up and maybe we can work something out.
1: Have you? Uh, how, how are the pretzels at the Moody Center? Are they not they don't hit the same or they no, don't. They
0: have don't. No, I've had I've had pretzels at the Moody Center. I've had pretzel bites at the Moody Center too. It's not the same. I don't know. I don't know what yeah. it is. Something Kids about, these days. Something about the pretzels at the Irwin Center were just yeah. they were just better than anywhere else, man.
1: Yeah. Hey, if uh, Frank Irwin Center pretzels go to Texas NIL, is Ron Holland at Longhorn? <laughs> Perhaps
0: then i'm telling you man what if i went and told rt like hey if y'all have brought the pretzel maker over here and made it made some pretzels ron wouldn't be in the g league yeah, right?
1: maybe you'd win some damn games <laughs> you bring the pretzels back that
0: man yeah. you know you what get man, eric
1: to look into that
0: real quick uh just one last basketball note like I, I think for diehard Texas basketball fans, you're upset about this season. But, dude, last year, I mean, going to the Elite Eight and winning a, a, the conference tournament, I mean, that's, that's one of the best Texas basketball seasons in my lifetime. Not that it's ever going to excuse the way it looks like this season is trending. But I I feel like a lot of Texas fans are going to do one of two things when it comes to basketball season. When it goes like this season is going, they're either going to completely tune out or just divert their energy to some other sport on campus, either baseball or, hey, when spring football starts, like it's. So I don't want to say it's going to turn to apathy, but I think people will just tune out. And maybe that's not two things. Maybe that's one thing, but my people just tune out. It's unfortunate, it's sad, but.
1: Yeah, for me, it's. Um... I mean, I got notifications for ESPN, so it dings me like I think 30 minutes before tip or right before tip. So when that happens, you're like, oh, they're on tonight, you know, I'll go watch that um, and try watching it or throw it on the background. But usually until like it kind of gets drop your nuts time in the Big 12 tournament, that's when I start watching like every game. I mean, dude, like last year, last year was the most fun I've ever had watching Texas basketball. And. I I've never been to the Moody Center, but I probably went to shit, man, over fifty games at the Frank Irwin Center in my life because uh my grandpa had two season tickets or him and my grandma, and she wouldn't want to go, so I'd go with him also. Go with my dad a few times. Like Jacobin Brown was kind of my favorite player growing up. Uh shit, Isaiah talking, Taylor. Talk about an
0: instant bucket.
1: Yeah. Jacobin Brown, Isaiah Taylor. Uh shit, man.
0: Jonathan Holmes. Javon
1: Javon Felix, Jonathan Holmes, Cam Ridley. Like, those are the guys I grew up watching.
0: Yeah, Um, my brother, my brother. Last year,
1: even growing up watching all those guys, last year was by far the most fun I've ever had watching Texas basketball. Just the way they played and the, just the way they played, man, like, Jabari Rice, man, that's my guy. I love him. So, I, I miss last year's team and, but, you know, we gotta, we gotta support this year's team too and, help them out. So yeah,
0: my brother's a huge Texas bass. Like he hates Texas football, but it's a huge Texas basketball fan. And the company, the company he works for, he's got to do deliveries sometimes to the Moody center. And he's like, dude, is Jonathan. What's Jonathan Holmes doing back at Texas? I'm like, he's on the staff. He's a GA. He's like, I mean, he's, like he's like, it was the crazy thing. He's like, I'm getting in the elevator. And like, this guy gets in next to him. I'm like, Tells Jonathan Holmes doing this elevator. I'm like, yeah, it's he's back on campus. So, this is last year was the most fun I've had, even going back to when I was a fan and covering the team. Uh, it's the most fun I've had with the Texas basketball season since the final four season. Like that final four run was so freaking fun. Yeah, my brother and I went to two games that year, went to the Princeton game, they played Princeton during Christmas break. so that was one where we bought mezzanine tickets and they were just at, cause it was on, it was an ESPN game and they were just asking people like, dude, y'all just come down to the lower bowl. Like we need somebody in the student section. I'm like, I'll go down. And like, we ended up sitting like on the baseline they, pretty much. Yeah. They asked y'all. Yeah. They were like, yeah, just, they were telling us like, when we go in like, Oh yeah, y'all can go sit in the lower bowl. I'm like, okay, I, that beats uh, getting my $5 mezzanine seat. Got me pretty much courtside. And yeah, then no,
1: that, that was the, the, the patch or hack, or whatever my cheapskate stepdad would always use. We'd buy the, the <laughs> top, the top uh, level seats. And then like five minutes into the game, go sit down. They wouldn't say shit ever. Yeah, <laughs> and that yeah, was, man. that was especially when like, they were never ever filling it up unless it was a Kansas game or something. or Maybe Oklahoma. To where, yeah. To where you could, you could go buy like a $3 seat at the top of the Frank Irwin center. Give it two minutes and go sit in like the 11th row behind the Texas bench for <laughs> for yeah. bucks. Yeah.
0: Those are the days, man. And then we went to the Kansas State game that year because I'm like, you know what? It's probably gonna be TJ Ford's last game. And I want to say I was there for it. So we ended up going to the K State game. I'm pretty sure my brother shed a tear when TJ checked out of the game late. Mm. But I digress. Tommy um, Yarsh's boy. Oh yeah. Tommy Tommy's very tired in with TJ Ford. Uh, I'm. I'm. I got to. I got Tommy to tell me that story, but anyway. Uh, so we're talking about Amari Nye Black. We're talking about Benjamin Yersik. I want to get to something our guy Hank South mentioned in the Insider. Hmm. And I, I
1: haven't got a chance to read it yet. So Hank is, Hank is correct
0: that Texas is wasn't isn't planning on taking an offensive lineman in the portal in this cycle, but Caden Proctor fits the mold of too good to pass up i guess go ahead and shoot your shot if you feel like it maybe probably not gonna work out he's probably headed to iowa but i don't know that they're gonna actively pursue it jordan i just think if maybe if he reaches out to them then they'd pursue it
1: yeah um my my thoughts on him and caleb downs um is you know both those guys i don't Everyone enters the portal, regardless of what the fuck they're gonna say. Everyone enters the portal, having a pretty damn good idea where they're going. Let's be honest here, right? Yeah. It's very rare that anyone of anyone that's desired as a as a player, as a prospect in the portal enters without having been tampered with yet either. Um, so that's why they pretty much all know where they're going. But uh Caden Proctor, Caleb Downs, look, they're getting paid quarterback money. That's what they're gonna get. Uh, that's what they can command because they're that type of player, and they have at least two years left of eligibility before they're leaving for the draft. Yeah. Um, one with what Texas got at the DB position this off season, they don't like. I mean, you're going to take Caleb Downs if he obviously wants to come, but right. with his price tag, it doesn't make sense. And then on the O line, it makes even less sense. You're not going to move Calvin Banks to right tackle so Proctor can play left, and you're not going to. Like, are you gonna really tell Cam Williams, who's been waiting two years and stayed at Texas this offseason? This hasn't been talked about. Stayed at Texas this offseason when multiple other schools are trying to like double, triple what he's getting at Texas through Nil. He still stayed because yeah. he wanted to play at Texas. That's why, that's why he came to Texas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It just it makes no sense for Proctor or Downs and the, the price that they're gonna command. I, I've seen so many the only people saying they have a shot of people who don't follower cover texas <laughs> right. so usually when that happens it's just like the arch manning stuff like y- y'all y'all know who to get the info from so
0: there's nothing there's nothing that oh gosh i was watching like when i watch facebook reels or instagram reels like i want to see like you know i want to see a reel of like a beaver making a dam in a house out of stuffed animals like that's the kind of stuff that i want to watch on facebook reels or instagram reels and I see somebody doing a video that like Quinn years is coming back to school is Arch Manning's worst nightmare. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to deal with this for eight more months.
1: Yeah. It's like
0: and, of, of nails on a chalkboard.
1: And another thing that's so funny about that specific part of Quinn coming back as well with the Quinn and Arch like narratives that always get drawn up by national media. I have a very trusted source who actually told me the Mannings were a little bit, or not. I don't. I don't know what the correct word is. Did not mind at all that Quinn Ewers is coming back. Yeah, because four years is something that the Manning family has thought about, and some people have even said they would prefer to be at Texas four years. So whenever a source, a different source says. You know, they don't mind it at all because now they get more time to learn and be ready whenever it comes time when he's a full-time starter. He's more prepared and it's not as hard of a transition.
0: Yeah. And
1: he can still start two more years if he actually does end up going and being there four years. So this – Quinn coming back in all aspects, if you, or if you think about it from that angle, like, it's a win-win on all fronts outside of, you know, Malik Murphy or Charles Wright and their situations. Yeah. But
0: Yeah. You know – uh one thing real quick on that on that Caden Proctor very, very hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Um one thing that I really want to do this offseason is I, I want to go back and watch rewatch the K State game and mm-hmm. just watch just watch the offensive tape and just watch Cam Williams. Like I want to watch Cam Williams for a whole game because I haven't gone back and rewatched it, Jordan, but just off the naked eye. It'll kind of bird's eye view from the press box. He played about as well as you could ask a dude to play in his first start.
1: Yeah, so I was actually – that was the one uh, home game I was at this year. Um, and, I mean, look, Cam Williams is big as shit. He can block the sun. <laughs> like, literally, he can block the sun.
0: Um, I want to see what the roster has The, the roster has him listed at, by the way. Go ahead. Yeah, I just I just need to pull up the football roster. I
1: do want to say, I'm not trying to take anything away from Cam Williams here when I say this at all. The guy he was guarding or having to block from Kansas State might be the smallest power five edge rusher I've seen. It was like a it was like a white kid wearing, like, 42 or 43 that was, like, six one, And I don't think – I mean, they didn't really generate much pressure at all. At least it didn't come from that side. Um, so, again, yeah, not trying to take anything away from Cam, but I don't think that's the best game to judge off of. I know we don't have anything else to judge off of, so yeah. that's what you got to roll with, but – but yeah, I, I did. Lo- I I haven't watched back and seen how he played every snap, like you're going to or whatever. But um, I do remember coming away from that game very, very pleased with how with how he played in his first start.
0: The roster has him listed at 369. Yeah, sounds are you about taking, right. Are you taking the over or under on that? Uh or you think that's about right? How tall? They they say he's six five. Yeah, the, that's that's
1: actually accurate. Um, I think three sixty nine is is pretty accurate.
0: Okay. What do
1: they have Peyton Kirkland at? That's what I want to know.
0: Because mm. well, Peyton, Peyton Kirkland was, had like a foot injury too. They got Peyton at three fifty.
1: Yeah, I okay. I don't know if that's correct because he showed up in San Antonio and weighed in at three ninety six last year. For the All American yeah. Bowl, and we were all like, because <laughs> before then he'd only been listed at like three fifteen. Because we didn't, I don't believe anyone had any verifies on him yeah. um, until then. And we we're all like, that's always a fun thing about checking day for All American Bowl—you get to figure out who's been lying for years. Yeah.
0: <laughs> suddenly, and, uh, suddenly that six four center is like six one and a quarter. Huh?
1: Yeah, and it's like the schools know because like on every single visit these kids it's t- these kids take. Uh, height, weight, wingspan, arm, uh, hands—all that gets measured every yeah. single visit. Um, so schools know, so not a huge deal for them. But for us, it's like, damn, you, you, you got our asses. Um, it, it's yeah, funny, yeah. me, me, and Mike this year are the main guys on the scale. Oh god! And I mean, you, you know, Mike—he's uh he, hes stubborn. <sighs> I forgot who the kid was. I think it was Nate Frazier, who's like a borderline five-star running back. Hold on, timeout before
0: we go any further. How how much how much dip did Mike run go through during check-in?
1: Couldn't tell you a lot. Did he
0: keep did he, Okay, I was gonna say, did he keep his dipping to a minimum? But pretty sure anytime Mike is on the on the work grind, he's he's got a dip in. So
1: oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, but Nate Frazier shit what did we because we we put it in right then we changed their profiles right then to what they actually are uh but yeah nate Fraser. oh never mind not a borderline five we had him at five nine and a half 206 and <laughs> we do it barefoot he had always listed himself at like 511 yeah. so he stepped off the sta- the scale and was like that's not right <laughs> <laughs> and, and mike th- this happens with like a handful of kids every year mike was just standing there like you want to try again? That's all he said. He just went, Oh, you want to try again? The whole like t- Mike. Ring. Mike is like one of the most stubborn people I know. Goes, Okay, five, nine and a hat, like screams it <laughs> to the whole room. <laughs> and then Nate's like, I'm telling you, man, that's not right. And he's like, You want to do one more time? <laughs> like stuff like that. Um but Peyton Kirkland was trying to tell us the scale wasn't right at three ninety six, and it's like,
0: okay. yeah. The other one, the other one on the on the weight, uh, man, and it's just because he's so freaking long. It was Sadir Mitchell at three thirty five. I don't. I think he's more at least from watching him, watching him in the fall and seeing him at the yeah. show. Probably he's probably close to there right now. I would say, watching him in the fall, he was over 350.
1: Yeah. Man, I'll tell you what. With with DeAndre Robinson getting out of his letter of intent and them and Texas not having a D-line coach and, you know, all the uncertainty, I guess, that's there in the D-line room. Like, Sadir Mitchell is one of the most important players for Texas this offseason. Like, they need him to, to take a step up.
0: I'd say Sadir Mitchell. I say Dre Bledsoe because do that, yeah, that uber athleticism, that playmaking ability that Sark always talks about. Anytime he brings up Dre Bledsoe, like they need to, they need to start seeing that more consistently or figure out how to use it. And yeah. then, I mean, between Zach Swanson, Aaron Bryant, Alex January, and I mean, I guess I'm assuming at this point Melvin Hills is still coming. Of those four, you I think you got to get probably two of those guys to where you say, okay, we can at least count on him to give us five snaps a game, five to eight, somewhere in there, snaps a game. Damn, I got the hiccups.
1: Yeah, for, for Dre Bloods, so it's kind of like, I mean, not 1,000%, but it's getting close to, like, drop your nuts, make a break time. Yeah, man. Him, him and Jamon Tap, I'd say the same thing for, like, Zach Swanson and Aaron Bryant, but I, I think they're kind of going to stay in the same role they've always been in.
0: Yeah, it's – so it, it go, that's, that's the problem when, and that's the good thing with the portal. And we saw this with some of and some of max teams. We saw this with toward the end, but really kind of all of Charlie's teams, like, especially like on the offensive line and defensive line, like, you know, Paul Boyette did probably the best job he could at Texas. and you know, Paul Boyette was never recruited to be like a frontline starter. You know, he was yeah. going to play behind Malcolm Brown and Hassan Ridgeway and, you had recruited guys in other classes that you were thinking, okay, yeah, you know, you would, you know, but that's what, you know, Quincy Russell not qualifying academically does to hurt you, or what, uh, you know, I th- I don't even think they took like in the 2013 class. I don't think Texas took a defensive tackle. And then, you know, not taking very many guys that could play in the 2014 class. Like if Charlie doesn't, if Charlie Strong doesn't come in 2014 and you don't, he doesn't, he, you don't get Puna Ford and Chris Nelson. I don't know what the hell happens to your defensive line for a pretty good stretch of time there. I don't know what you're doing.
1: Yeah, man. I felt like Chris Nelson was at Texas forever. (laughs) Like, I think he's like the only D lineman I can think of that felt like they were at Texas longer than Keandre Coburn.
0: Yeah. You got, like I felt um, like
1: like Keandre Coburn like started his like signed with Texas and then I was born. That's how long he was at Texas.
0: I was talking to I was talking to Antoine Davis about this one time because Antoine was one of those guys that was there Max last year, and he was there Tom Herman's first year, and yeah. he said like like Josh Thompson and some of those guys were like man, Tuan like you know David Ash. He's like I played with David Ash. They're like, damn Tuan, you're old. <laughs> It's like, yeah, he's, he'd been there for a minute. Like, Nashawn Hughes was the same, had, had played for all three. Like, uh, Denzel Okafor was one, play, actually played for Charlie, played for Tom, and then played for Sark. Tope Amade was there for Charlie, there for Tom, there for Sark.
1: What about uh, Caleb Blewett? Didn't he overlap?
0: Blue did not, no. No? No, he, he just played for Mac and then for Charlie. Hmm. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I remember he was, if I remember correctly, originally a D-line switched to tight end or something. Tight end. I was making Uh, sure I got the name right. Yeah, the 10 years since Charlie Strong, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Jeez.
0: That that stretch from pretty much from 2010, pretty much the entire time Texas has been inept on the football field, save for a couple years here and there. Covering pretty much covering my whole run at Horns 7 Because again, we picked a great time to launch a Texas site in August of 2010. That was ideal. Uh dude, I don't know how many years that's gonna end up taking off my life. I really don't, man. I don't. Yeah, it's it's a damn shame.
1: Yeah, well, at least Sartre didn't leave for the Bama job.
0: Nope, nope, and he's <laughs> he's he's getting paid. We'll see what that contract looks like when either we'll get terms in a regents agenda, or I know Chips talked about it. he's filed the freedom of information request, so we'll we'll have contract details on Sark here before too long. Ricardo, the cake was not baked, man. That cake was that salmonella or something. It's oh my god, man. I just there's so many like there I could write a book. Just on the number of what the hell is happening right now moments I had throughout the end of Max tenure, all of Charlie, all of Tom, and really the first what? year of
1: Sark. Since you have so many, what is the most memorable or one of the most memorable? Uh, the
0: the 2013 football banquet is mm-hmm.
1: up there. Yeah, you went through that
0: one. Um I would say the 50 to 7 loss at TCU is is Shit. pretty good.
1: that's they were wearing the DG camo's right Yeah TCU was yeah yeah I remember that one Shit yeah that was and, bad and
0: and Gary Patterson just throwing salt in the wound at the end of the game when he's doing his post game interview and he says I've beaten better with worse Yeah um I would say the loss to Kansas in 16, so I wasn't there with, for spark slots. I wasn't there with for start- Deontay.
1: Slot. Oh, yeah, yeah. The 2016 one, all I remember is I didn't even have Twitter yet, but just seeing Deontay Foreman's dad <laughs> on Twitter talking about like how Charlie Strong is giving him 60 carries and expecting it to work.
0: <laughs> Carry the ball 51 times. Well, the problem was. The problem,
1: was, <laughs> yeah, memoir of a Texas fan. That's what you need to do, Jeff. This is what you need to do, Jeff. Whenever Texas wins a national championship or gets in the game, you need to have a book ready to drop. Not about how this Texas program was built to where they're now at this moment in the national championship.
0: I started. It needs to
1: be about all the shitty moments,
0: all the karma. It starts from my first, my when I first fell in love with Texas football which was in 1993 when I went to my first game. It was Texas and Rice. when up Bucky Godbowl was on the Texas staff when I fell in love with Texas football. And I can just kind of go through all of them. But, dude, there are so many, like, like the, all the times in a press conference where Tom Herman was just an a-hole to people. You know, the Red, the red Wedding Pizza Party. Trey, you've heard about that, right? The Red Wedding Pizza Party. where the Tom Wedding Herman
2: Pizza Party? I don't know about the pizza party party. Yeah,
0: that was where Tom Herman invited all the media into Moncrief to have pizza, and we thought we were going to have like an off-the-record meeting, and he basically threatened everybody's livelihood. Oh, I
2: didn't you know. realize there was pizza involved. Jesus Christ, that guy was so aloof.
0: Yeah, Wait, and there was... <laughs> do, a, do, a, do, a, do a full
1: breakdown. What do when you I, do I, all I, when I realized invited.
0: that things had officially gone off the rails, Tom had a sandwich sitting next to him, Literally picks it up and goes. I mean, I gave you guys pizza and sandwiches. I'm like, and you're just threatening everybody's livelihood in here. So that makes it right. Well, he did the same thing with parents
2: too. He had <laughs> old parents in for what was supposed to be just a good faith uh luncheon or something, and he starts <laughs> to tell them something similar.
0: Which was the best because Brian Davis and I can just imagine like the call Brian got from Tom Herman after that. It was Tom Herman has told Texas Paris not to talk to the media. A Texas parent tells the American statesman.
2: <laughs> yeah, I love how Brian came out with that. It was like that afternoon too, or something. Oh, that was,
0: was awesome, dude. Yeah, there was Jordan. There's, there's so much bad Texas I mean, football stuff that's taking years so off in my life. What bro.
1: exactly did Tom Herman tell the media? Um. Yeah, I've never heard about this.
0: Yeah, uh the, can I give uh, the
1: third-hand account of this, Jeff, before
0: yeah. you corroborate or or give so, yeah, th- that's a good that's a good way to do it, Trey. Yeah, we can do. What that. I
2: was always told, or what I was told back then, and the memory that I've chosen to retain since then is, if you're going to report on something within this program, you need to double check with us first. Because if you don't double check and run it past us first we're going to make your life hell and we're going to make your sources life hell too. And we will find out who your source is.
0: It was, it was something, something in that vein. Yeah. I don't remember if that was explicitly said, but yeah, it was something along those lines. What's the big yeah, deal. We,
3: you got, you got pizza out of it. Why got, we got, are you, yeah, why you gave all gave complaining? You,
0: sandwiches. you can yeah, put a gun we, to uh, my
3: head and, and wave it 50 times. But if I'm walking out of there alive with a free pie, then okay,
0: deal.
1: <laughs>
3: Tell me when yeah, and where. Yeah.
1: Hey, we gotta Jeff. We need to get Mike on here to tell his Tom Herman stories because he's he's told me their Tom Herman stories and he's ran into my coach in school, and Mike stood on business. Yeah, uh, I'm not Tom Herman to can't ruin. say the same. But one day we'll ruin. have Mike on here and we'll get the we'll get the full behind the scenes on Mr. Herman. No, yeah, where was uh, the pizza from, Jeff? That that's an important question. I don't
0: I don't want to I don't want to mention the establishment. I will say the establishment is good, but every time I see a box. From said establishment, it reminds me of the Red Wedding Pizza Party.
2: It was probably Double Dave's, except he didn't get the pizza rolls. He got their actual trash
0: pizza. Yeah, yeah. I will say it was not Double Dave's. Does anybody actually eat the pizza at Double Dave's? No. No. They nah. sell pizza at Double Dave's? Well, that's it. there you go, BK. That's mm. it. Um, Yeah, dude. Tom, the Tom Herman era was so just, there were so that, many moments that were just
1: bizarre. We need a book on that. We need a book on yeah. that.
3: Yeah, I'll tell you what. I am tell starting Scott. Who who now? Oh, nice, good one, Trey. I'll uh, I'm gonna start Florida Sports Unfiltered just so I can get <laughs> my own pizza party from Tom Herman at FAU.
0: Yeah, I wonder. I wonder what poor FAU writer. I I'd like to think Tom has changed, but I'm sure there's some. Poor Boca Raton based reporter that's already gotten an earful about <laughs> something.
1: Yeah. Call the book The Cake Was Baked <laughs> about Tom Herman's tenure.
0: That's oh, man. Do. And so, like
1: the on the cover, it better have the like the cover needs to be like a collage of like the Tom Herman at Texas greatest hits and the the piss hydration chart better be on there.
0: No, it, it'll it'll be an image of Tom. It'll be uh, there's gonna be three images on the cover of that book. One is gonna be uh Tom's Tom's P chart. Uh the other is going to be yeah. I saw somebody one time when Charlie was the coach, they got a, a Texas jersey and it was the number five, and on the back it said instead of a name, it said core values. So that'll that'll be an image of that. Um <laughs> uh, and,
1: and he was at Houston when he did it, but the photo of him with the grills from Houston. Throw that in there, too.
0: The main image will be, and actually, Matt Butler and I love this image so much. It'll be a picture from the game in Provo in 2013 of Matt giving Manny Diaz an earful. Dwayne Aquina is giving. Dwayne Aquina is almost like the benign uncle that's just there for support. And all you see is Rod, like, glaring in Manny Diaz's direction. I'm like, dude, this is so effed right now. Like, this is just not going to work. Uh, like, that image summed up that 2013 season for me. So, oh, that, yeah, there's, oh, gosh.
3: Just remember, he's smarter than you. He's smarter than all of us. He's Mensa. Smartest guy in the room. Like, He'll let you know about it, too.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it works out so well for those guys, too. The guys that let you know they're the smartest guy in the room. Yeah. Yeah. BK, how was Stu Patrick this morning? Fantastic.
3: Love that place. Trey was there with us. We had the cool multi-camera setup rolling this morning. That was good. uh, Broadcast looked great, but always love being out there, man. StuPatrick.com is the website if you can't get to the store. But uh, if you can get to the store, highly recommend it. They've got all the Longhorn gear you or anybody in your family could ever want.
0: That place is got-
2: dangerous if you're a Longhorn fan. I could I could easily blow through hundreds of dollars getting stuff for myself and my family.
0: Seriously, they still got some sugar bowl gear there because I didn't get any sugar bowl gear when I was in New Orleans. So you want it? Yeah. Okay. They do have it. I feel like yeah, I mean it didn't have the score of the game They're on
1: probably it. Probably on clearance now.
0: Yeah. Even even better.
3: I'm a <laughs> They've got it for you out there. You know, hey,
0: you know how many UT coaches polos? I bought it Ross for like a fraction of the Nike sticker price, mm. yeah,
3: that's
0: uh, that's my like that.
3: that's my middle name, Ross. It's yeah, I, I was conceived inside at the bathroom of a Ross
0: dressed for less. Yeah, I mean, wow. a-
2: <laughs> are you serious? No, 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 no. Uh, a- I was about to say, a- God damn, a-, EK? A-,
0: a tad, a tad classier. If your parents would have picked the Marshalls, but you know, they to eat their own. Hey, we uh, can see
2: one of our kids in the broom closet of a TJ Maxx. So it happens, Jordan. <laughs> it's a great
0: deal. Some sometimes no comment. Time, <laughs> des- desperate times call for desperate measures. Uh BK, I, just just so you know, I hope you got my text this morning when you and I'll say this will be my parting shot. When you and Bucky were talking about do you clean up shoes? Do you wear shoes? Where Bucky was going with that story. I thought we were about to have Deuce Gang Part Two. Oh. So. Someone crapped
3: in the old studio, yeah. Mm. We ever figure out who did that? Yes, yeah. Why do
0: I not remember who did that? I feel
2: like Jeff and I cracked this one together, along with Chad, maybe.
0: Yeah, it was the uh outdoor folks on Sunday
3: <laughs> or the dog. Uh, I don't know
0: if it was the dog, yeah. it might have been one of the outdoor folk. Rover pinched one off. That's mm. true. Well, I mean, perhaps Deuce Gate needs to be. Brought back, perhaps that case is not closed. Sadly, regularly.
2: it was also not an isolated incident of dog shitting in that office either. That happened <laughs> way too regularly. Once is too much, and it happened way more than once,
0: dude. Trey, by by the time I left, like you'd open the door to go in there and just the smell of dog pee. And I like I love Wade and all the other dogs that were through there, but just when the smell of dog pissed, it would just hit you in the nose, it was like, Oh my god, this is brutal. Uh, no, no one. No wonder why sales and everybody else moved out of here. You can't bring anybody in here. Uh,
3: I'm glad. Anyway, uh, the dog. Do I mean. the, the dogs made an appearance at Moody Center last night. Apparently, so that was that was good. <laughs> Great show, boys. On that note, you guys have a good one.
1: Yes, sir. See you tomorrow. Appreciate Bye, you guys. guys.